0: This is the Pittsburgh CityCast with Tim Benz, presented by Bette Rivers. I don't
1: know. I, wouldn't say, I mean, I was just in rhythm. I just wanted to stay in rhythm, complete passes, move the chains. That was that was really the goal coming in. I Kind of just let you know my ability to just, just take over for me and play fast. So that was really all I was
0: focused on doing.
1: That's Kenny Pickett after his first Steelers performance. A real good one. And a good one for the other two quarterbacks as well. I am Tim Benz at St. Vincent College in Latrobe, in my car. As it has started to rain here at St. Vincent College after the Steelers' afternoon practice, they've returned to campus after their first preseason game—a win over the Seattle Seahawks—that we'll talk about momentarily here on the Pittsburgh CityCast. Brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today, or go to betrivers.com. Get ready to kick off fall and football season with Bet Rivers online sportsbook. Join Bet Rivers on Wednesday, August the 17th, for Win Total Wednesday. This Wednesday, players who place a wager on any NFL or NCAA football team season win total get a free $10 BetRivers bet. Head to BetRivers.com or download the BetRivers app all season long for the latest odds and unique promotions. BetRivers is your go-to sportsbook this fall. It's a whole new game. Presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh. Must be 21. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. We'll get to the story of the Steelers' preseason opener in just a few seconds, but first, the story of the first preseason weekend of wagering. How about the points? So much for the theory that we're going to have a whole bunch of unders. That was a theory that I subscribed to, and I got burned on a couple. The one I just could not play, though, was L.A. versus L.A. under 30. An NFL game, even a preseason one, under 30. Are you kidding me? Uh, At least that one broke through and got to the over. And I was happy about that. It was one of the few that I ended up playing. But as I glanced across the board, had I played a bunch, I would have put a whole lot on a whole lot of unders. Uh, I never would have put money at under 30, though. 29 and a half, in fact. And I believe only four games were in that 30 to 36 point range where so many of the pregame, preseason over under totals had been for week one. Points were the order of the weekend, by all accounts, especially Compared to what the lines were and compared to what we usually see early in the preseason. Now I'll be interested to see how that translates to week two of the preseason when more starters on offense come back into play. I bet you see the numbers jump. I know for instance, like the Steelers Jags game is at 42 and a half. More starters back on defense too, and I see that sort of simmering the under a little bit, if you will. I think that you saw youth inexperience and inability translate across the board in the NFL when it came to defense, keeping the totals in play for the offense to go over the threshold, and they usually did. Conversely, I think you saw hope experimentation and forecasting and actual goals of practice on the offensive side of the ball in most stadiums. That really resonated with me. I saw offenses with guys trying to execute what the teams were looking to do big picture. I didn't see just get in and out of the stadium. I saw some of that with the down the roster guys on defense across the league in the first week of preseason games. So I think if you look at a little bit more analytically, it's less surprising why the numbers went up. There just seemed to be greater stakes attached to how teams approached the offensive execution in the first week, maybe because we only see three games on the schedule now. That might have something to do with it. Uh, those agendas led to points, and lots of them. 32-25, the final score along the banks of the Allegheny for the Pittsburgh Steelers and Seattle Seahawks at Acrisure Stadium on the north side. Locke and Geno Smith for Seattle, a combined passer rating of 110. Rudolph, Trubisky, and Pickett were a combined 124 for the Steelers. What does that tell you? Now, as far as looking ahead to the point total and the line for this week's game between the Jags and Steelers, the Jags—they're a bit of a different story. They only scored 11 and 13 so far, but I still think the 42 and a half is attainable, and I like the Steelers getting two and a half, nearly a field goal in Jacksonville this weekend. Sure, I'll hop all over that one. As we look ahead to the second week with the Steelers going on the road. More from that game coming up in a minute. But first, baseball. The Pirates get swept in their series against the Giants. I cleaned up that series. I had the Pirates on the run line yesterday. But I had the Giants and the Unders in the first two days. So that all panned out beautifully. Don't overthink it. Play the Red Sox at PNC Park. The Pirates will Probably trip you up in one game. Maybe Keller gets a win tomorrow. We'll talk about that series more as it is upon us for Tuesday's Pittsburgh CityCast. Between now and then, though, I do wonder about the Yankees, Red Sox, and the run totals in that series and what that means moving forward for both of those teams. I expect both to bust out a little bit, not just because the Red Sox are playing the Pirates, but because they're due, and I think the Yankees certainly are, as well after just 13 runs between those two teams in that weekend affair. Who saw that coming? How did that happen? That's a stumper. Maybe the Yankees get going tonight against Tampa. New York has a 41-15 record at home and 72-43 overall. Tampa Bay, 25-31 record on the road. The matchup for tonight is the 11th time these teams squared off. The Yankees actually hold a 7-3 advantage in the season series. Garrett Cole against Jalen Beeks, who's at least starting for the Rays. I'll take New York, and I'll take the over. It's getting plus money last I checked at plus 105 for 7.5. All right, back to the Steelers and the quarterback situation. It's not like I was sitting there in the press box and hearing boos raining down at Akershire when Mason Rudolph was introduced as the second quarterback during the Steelers opener uh, against the Seahawks on Saturday night for the preseason. It was more of like a, a grumbling murmur a disgruntled undercurrent, whatever you want to call it. It got louder when Rudolph took his first snap and immediately fumbled thanks to a blindside strip sack from Boye Mafi as if it was Rudolph's fault or something. Like, that guy barreled around Dan Moore Jr., got a piece of Rudolph's throwing arm as he was starting his motion. Rudolph recovered the ball and maintained possession. Moore himself said Rudolph bailed him out. Two plays later, Rudolph hit George Pickens for a touchdown. No one was booing then. You know what? I was definitely cheering because I've got Pickens for Rookie of the Year, and I'm feeling pretty good about that right now. Uh, no one was booing the throw. It was a great throw and a really good catch and the toe tap from Pickens, but I felt like everybody was just cheering the catch because it was Pickens who made it and not because Rudolph threw it. I mean, I get it. Pickens is Pittsburgh's shiny new toy. He's Christmas in August. Meanwhile, everybody seems to want to return Rudolph for store credit or at least a sixth-round draft choice for a team that needs a backup quarterback. The fan base has seen Rudolph before. It has seen him be underwhelming. It's not like the franchise has done anything to dissuade that narrative either. In his first offseason to perhaps graduate from being Ben Roethlisberger's backup, the Steelers decided to fatten up the depth chart by signing Trubisky, drafting two other quarterbacks in Pickett and Chris Oladokun. Then despite having the best training camp of the three quarterbacks, Rudolph still had to cede second-team reps to Pickett at times. Did so again at St. Vincent College today, and that's no surprise after Pickett played the way that he did with the third team in the game against the Seahawks, going 13-15 of and leading a game-winning drive. You know, it's not like Rudolph has gotten a lot of breaks lately, so maybe we should give him one now, or at least not blame him for failing to have a second set of eyeballs in the back of his helmet when he's getting hit from the blind side. By contrast, Trubisky got a warm reception as he stepped onto the field as the team starter. It got even louder when he cacked off that opening scoring drive by tossing a touchdown to Gunnar Olszewski. Wide open, by the way. Then to open the third quarter, Pickett hit Jay Sternberger on a short rollout on his first passing attempt. Like Rudolph and Trubisky, his drive resulted in a touchdown. Jalen Warren pulled off the preseason version of the Antonio Brown Immaculate Extension and all you heard were Kenny, 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 Kenny chants raining down from the stands at Akershire Stadium. And they should, you know, for a first-round pick who played his first pro game and did so in the college stadium where he played as a Pitt Panther. I mean, I'm not arguing that anybody should be holding back their enthusiasm for Pickett or Trubisky. Based on how those two struggled in La Trobe, every Steelers fan should be elated at how they performed in route to that win against Seattle. Pickett and Trubisky were a combined 17-22 for 158 yards, three touchdowns, and no interceptions. Pickett could have avoided, or at least done a better job of getting rid of the ball to avoid some sacks. I'm just saying the audible groans for Rudolph were a little much, especially considering that at every turn, Rudolph has publicly handled this situation as diplomatically as anyone could expect. Rudolph also led a 17-play, 81-yard, 8-minute, 32-second field goal drive that stalled in the red zone. And along the way, the Seahawks did drop what should have been an interception, and Rudolph tried to thread another dangerous pass in the red zone that fell incomplete. So he wasn't perfect. Of course, Pickett was for the first, what was it, 10 or 11 throws, and he led a fourth-quarter touchdown drive to break the 25-25 tie to win it. And that will no doubt be advanced as the drumbeat to promote Pickett to at least the second team permanently. Now leave it to Rudolph to have a 100 passer rating to open the preseason and have it somehow be the lowest of the three quarterbacks who played Saturday night. Pickett was at 132 and Trubisky was what what uh, 126.8. Maybe it's the Seahawks defense defense And their coaching staff that should be groaning more than anyone watching Mason Rudolph throw because of what they put out there on tape. But, you know, I thought all three quarterbacks played well. Yes, all three. Even Rudolph. Trubisky is the new free agent. Pickett is the new draft choice. But maybe Rudolph is becoming a newer and more improved version of himself. And that's allowed to be applauded as well. Or at least not booed. So that was one takeaway that I had from the game itself and the crowd response and kind of just reading the room of Steelers fans at the stadium for the first time in the first chapter of life without Ben Roethlisberger. We'll talk about that with Mark Madden next here on the Pittsburgh city cast. We'll talk to Mark as well about some struggles with the pirates. We'll get into the AFC North too, and we'll recap the concerts on the North shore. Now Mark and I taped up an advance of Greta Van Fleet and Metallica. I'll say this about the Metallica show. Metallica was really good, and Greta Van Fleet played phenomenally. You know, they are gifted performers. I just wanted to see a different performance, and I didn't want to see so much jam band. I didn't want to see them turn into the Allman Brothers before my eyes. You know, it's kind of funny. I get this feeling like they want to flex their muscles and show that they're not just the Zeppelin cover band that everybody says that they are, but Zeppelin did too much of that sometimes in concert. They just went off on tangents and jammed for the whole time. I mean, you got like... Seven songs, eight songs that you can squeeze in. uh, Don't just compress them and do a bunch of jam band stuff to fill the time. Like, pump out the hits, play the heavier stuff, play the faster stuff, cater to the audience that is there to see Metallica, give them what they want, and I bet people walk away with a better impression than saying, yeah, those guys can jam, but I don't know about the songs. Especially, like, some of the songs they played were kind of slow and sleepy as well. Uh, Sleepy was a way I would describe Def Leppard. I thought they were a little slow and underwhelming. Sounded good, but just stage presence-wise, a little bit of a slow set. Motley Crue was great. I just wish that Vince Steele could sing like he used to be able to sing. But we'll get into this with Mark. Poison was fantastic. Joan Jett was really good. It was a big weekend on the North Shore. We we recap it all with Mark Madden next. Here for a Madden Monday, brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com. Kick off football season with Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook. All season long, Bet Rivers is your go to sportsbook for all football related content. Check out BetRivers.com or download the Bet Rivers app for the latest odds, unique promotions, player props, and more. Every week, Bet Rivers has unique football specials to help you win big. Cheer on your favorite teams or back your favorite players with Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. Presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. This edition of Madden Monday brought to you by BetRivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com. Mark Madden, Tim Bands with you. We are taping early in advance of Metallica and Greta Van Fleet at PNC Park. So in the unlikely event that the Pirates throw a no-hitter or in the far more likely event that they are no-hit... We will talk about that on Matt and Ben's Unfiltered on Monday morning, which will be running live at 9.30. We will also recap the big show on Friday night, the stadium tour at PNC Park. But uh, we're getting things going early now so we can both get over to the stadium. Uh, Mark, I was at Heinz Field down the parking lot from PNC Park last night for the first preseason game. Let's get your reaction to that first and foremost, though. What did you think of what you saw, especially from the quarterbacks in the first preseason game in the post-Ben Roethlisberger era?
0: Well, I thought all three quarterbacks played pretty well. I thought Trubisky came out, played with and against first-teamers, drove the Steelers right down the field, showed good poise and mobility in the pocket. I thought he did everything we're looking for from Mitch Trubisky. Then Rudolph came on and threw the best pass of the night that... uh, touchdown in the corner to Pickens, that that tippy-toe, tappy-toe reception. And then I thought Pickett, you know, played well, considering he was out there with third stringers and against third stringers. I think the overreaction to Pickett is predictable, but no less disgusting. I don't think it changes the Steelers' timetable even one little bit. I think that Rudolph's still the second-string quarterback. I saw people saying, well, now you can trade Rudolph. What, based on one game? Third stringers against third stringers, like, excuse me, half of one game. Uh, So, no, I think it stays just the way it is, but I thought all three quarterbacks uh, looked about like they were supposed to, maybe pick it even a little more so.
1: Yeah, the showcasing Rudolph thing, to me, is a silly conversation. He's going to fetch, if anything... A third-day draft choice, somewhere between the fifth and seventh round, depending on the urgency of the team that's going to trade for him, and that's it. It's not going
0: well, 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 well. that that's right, Tim. And not only that, but uh, you're better off with him. Okay, you're not opening up cap space. You're not, you know, like you said, getting a high draft pick. You're not adding a player with with the salary cleared. You're just better off having him. You know, the best thing for the Steelers this year is that they keep all three quarterbacks for the entirety of the season and then make decisions from there.
1: And I know people were frustrated that Pickett didn't get in with the second team last night, but I mean, I thought booing Rudolph when he came on the field was a little bit much. I mean, at least let the guy have a chance to get better. You
0: know what I mean? Oh, booing Rudolph and chanting Kenny Pickett's name, that is just so Pittsburgh. There's no urgency. Like the notion that he should move up the depth chart based on... The first half of football he plays is ridiculous, Uh, uh, football for the Steelers. And I I saw uh, one of the usual suspects tweet, we'll always remember Kenny Pickett's first exhibition game. Really? Because I don't remember Ben Roethlisberger's (laughs) first exhibition game. In fact, I don't remember any of Ben's games except – Well, damn it, I remember like one thing, the pass to Santonio in the corner of the end zone. And it was Rudolph that rethrew that pass last night. So, you you know, the hype's just too much. But you knew it would be. And, Tim, what's disturbing is it'll only get worse. And, you know, it it won't be long before they turn on Trubisky, too.
1: And that's a good point. That's where I was going to go next because it's always going to be about the nice, new, shiny toy. And for now, that's Kenny Pickett. And it's even shinier because of the Pick Connection but what was jumping through my head as Mason Rudolph was getting booed for getting hit from the blind side as he was trying to throw after Dan Moore got turnstiled, like, people were booing him like it was his fault. He was getting rid of the ball for crying out loud. That's going yeah, to be Trubisky soon. Like, soon enough, that's going to be Trubisky.
0: The run blocking was a little better. Uh, McFarland had a good uh, uh, first couple series especially, so it makes you wonder if uh, – Maybe he could supplant Benny Snell as the number two, although I think that's six of one, half a dozen of the other. Uh, I I don't think the offensive line was noticeably better. In fact, you mentioned Moore got beat on the play where Rudolph fumbled. Moore got beat a number of times. And and I thought the one good thing from all the quarterbacks was uh, they showed mobility and poise in the pocket. Pickett showed great mobility on plays that called for mobility. Uh, That was my one complaint about Rudolph. He, He doesn't have a great pocket presence, does he?
1: He gets antsy, he gets happy feet in the pocket. I noticed last year when he played for Roethlisberger in the Detroit game, uh, I also thought I saw this at times in the preseason last year, that he does get out and move better than I thought that he would, but that doesn't translate to his footwork in the pocket when he's still planning to throw.
0: Yeah, exactly right. And and I don't think it's anything he should be crucified for let alone you know booed after one snap but uh you know if, if there's a weakness for Rudolph you know that's it
1: and I think that people were very quick to point out that he got lucky in the drop pick he did I think people were quick to point out every
0: that- quarterback gets lucky in some fashion with stuff like that just about every game and but when I point out that Pickett played against third stringers with third stringers that's eh, so a what it's football Exactly.
1: And people, while they are trying to mollify whatever good Rudolph did, you know, let's understand that a huge chunk of Kenny Pickett's first touchdown drive was a handoff to a wide receiver in motion on a jet sweep. And, you know, Trubisky's first touchdown drive was a huge chunk play from Anthony McFarlane on like a 24-yard run plus 15 for a penalty. So, you know, people aren't holding that as a yeah but for them, but I feel like everybody's trying to qualify anything good that Rudolph did.
0: It was just the first exhibition game. It was actually fun. It was, it was probably misguidedly intense because of the quarterback thing. But I see people saying, change the depth chart. Believe me when I say the depth chart will not change at all this week. It will not change at all before week one, barring injury. And by the way, that's when they turn on Trubisky, Tim, when they lose to Cincinnati week one.
1: I did like Mark. One thing that did translate to me very Obviously, was the mobility of those quarterbacks as you alluded to, but also the willingness of the offense to play to that. And that's not a card they could throw down from the deck last year.
0: Well, no. And I thought it, it does speak well to Pickett that I thought the offense looked the most versatile uh, when he was in there. I thought Canada experimented with him more than he did with the other quarterbacks. I, I don't know if that's tribute to Pickett or just because he wanted to get those plays in. And uh, why not do it with the rookie? But, but yeah, I, I I think that you know we saw more of the Canada offense. I think it looked good. Then again, we didn't see uh, Trubisky or wh- whoever quarterback in the fourth quarter with a deficit because that's when that Canada offense doesn't matter and Ben's guile did so often.
1: And that's been a trouble spot for Trubisky is that he'll keep a game close. It comes down to the fourth quarter for a possession or two here and there. And that's where things go bad. Now, Pickett has a different reputation. He was good in the fourth quarter for Pitt. But, you know, you can't just take out Trubisky and make Kenny Pickett a closer. It doesn't work that way.
0: Yeah, the quarterback thing is just going to stay as it is. And, again, the usual suspects in the media, the Stooges, are embarrassing themselves. And that's what makes me number one, Tim. They're doing that to play up to the mob. What else did
1: you see besides the quarterbacks and the offensive flow that we've talked about already that was of interest to you?
0: Well, Pickens obviously looks real good. Um, they ran the ball better, like I said, behind McFarlane. I didn't think the pass protection was great, but as you mentioned, the quarterbacks were uh, more physically able to, to, to make the most of what protection they did get. Uh, I tried to keep a close eye on Bush and Spillane, which is tough to do within the context of a network broadcast. Well, not network, a, a local yeah. broadcast, but presented network style. And uh, I saw Bush whiff on a couple tackles. I saw Spillane get caught out of, out, of, out of place in coverage a couple times, which is par for both their courses. Um, what, what about this? Uh, who's this safety to got from Dallas? KZ? How do you pronounce his name, Yeah, Tim? KZ. He led the league in picks a, a few years ago with Atlanta. He started 15 games last year with Dallas. How's he not in the conversation to start opposite Minka and potentially to supplant Terrell Edmonds, or at least be involved in the dime?
1: I don't know that he's not. And with Carl Joseph leaving, I think he got. I think he left on a cart. Um, and I think somebody said they were walking. He was walking around in a boot or with crutches or something afterwards. Um, they were using Joseph a lot in the slot because he's got a body kind of like Millett. Uh Maybe Casey gets a crack at more snaps now if he's out of the mix.
0: Yeah, yeah, perhaps. I would give him a crack at B-9 Edmonds. I mean, it seems to me he's played better during his time in the league than Edmonds has during his. If they're going to elevate one
1: guy that probably is going to be exposed for being over-elevated, it might be Millett because they love what Millett does in the run and they think that they can sort of replicate what they lost in Hilton. I think they're leaning in that direction.
0: Uh, yeah, and maybe they can. Uh, you know, Hilton was kind of a, I don't want to say unique or a unicorn in terms of the way he played that. You know, he was like a, a, a run nickel, you yeah. know? I'm not saying he was unique, but he was certainly equipped. And I thought he brought a lot to Cincinnati in, in that vein last year, too. Anything
1: defensively besides KZ that you notice, Mark? Uh, Robinson, the inside linebacker, he's been doing this in camp quite a bit, too, where sometimes he looks lost because he well looks like a running back who's made the change to inside linebacker. Uh, But then he also makes big plays and has some big hits.
0: Well, so many guys were out on defense, Tim. Like, Watt didn't play, Hayward didn't play. So it it was really tough to get a grip on much of the defense in general, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, uh, Highsmith, too. Um, you know, I was trying to track the cornerbacks a little
0: bit. Yeah, why didn't Highsmith play minor injuries? Surely they don't think that that, that he doesn't you know, need he, the reps.
1: He, he got a rib injury during that Latrobe Memorial Stadium practice uh, early in the week.
0: Well, it, it, I, I, it, it's tough to... I just hate to put so much stock in the first exhibition. It was a good
1: time to have the quarterbacks all play well for our perspective in the media because, to your point trying to extract much from any other position in this first exhibition game would have been a fruitless endeavor. So it's good for us that I think all three quarterbacks played and played well.
0: Yeah, and and that's good for our business. I just don't think it changes anything in the depth chart yet. And I, I just don't think it could change before week one, do you? Barring injury, of
1: course. No, especially if Rudolph continues to go out there and not stink. You know, it's going to make it a hell of a lot easier for them to keep him active on game days because I still do think that they see the value in Rudolph of being able to plug him in in an in-game injury situation and then reevaluate if they find out Trubisky is hurt for a while as to whether or not they want to go with Pickett.
0: Yeah, but here's here's the thing that insulted my sensibilities. Everything Rudolph did was microanalyzed in a negative way. Everything Pickett did was microanalyzed in a positive way. Right, exactly. In, in, in Trubisky, they just, you know, did Switzerland. They were neutral.
1: Well, the proof of that is and there's some merit to the conversation as opposed to what we saw with Roethlisberger, but the inside handoff and the jet sweep. Oh, look at the ball handling. Oh, look at the ball skills. He's used to that. They had some semblance of that left over from Canada when he was at Pitt. Only Kenny could do Come on, only Kenny could do that. Like Rudolph can't hand the ball off on a
0: jet sweep. Trubisky can't hand the ball off on a jet sweep. Give me a break. Uh, uh, you, you couldn't have put it better, Tim, uh, but it's going to get worse before it gets better and it'll never really get better until Pickett plays and loses and they turn on him too.
1: Uh, anything from like Jalen Warren or Connor Hayward that you look at
0: and say? No, I'm not. I, I, there's some guys I know just, you know, are fringe guys at best. We're not going to have anybody that we don't know about sneak up and contribute mightily. Although I did like that every time Connor Hayward did something, Annie and Ian Batch were wetting themselves with glee. <laughs> As in, please like us, Cam. Please like us, Cam. I mean, give me, and then when Missy Matthews interviewed Cam, how about Connor Hayward? Shut the frig up. From what I understand, Mark, the Steelers took over
1: that broadcast as if it wasn't taken over by them when it was actually a KDK broadcast before. So whatever it was like prior to this year, I bet it was on steroids this year.
0: I had no problem with it. Those local broadcasts are what they are. The TV commercials. But there's just funny stuff like like and this is not pertaining to the broadcast, but you know, you can't cut Derek White, you can't cut Connor Hayward because who their brothers are. They're gonna make the team, even though they're they're almost the same player and fulfill a lot of the same duties, especially on special teams. I also liked when, when Art Rooney was on, uh, he was talking about all the great Steeler fans in Mexico. And I'm thinking, art. There's marketing, but but and and then there's stupidity because none of the great Steeler fans in Mexico are watching this broadcast.
1: <laughs> Mark Madden, you can listen to him Monday through Friday on one oh five nine the X. He's on three until six. Read him four times a week in Trib Live. Anything else NFL related, Mark, that jumps out at you? Be it the Ravens, Lamar Jackson situation. What's going on with Deshaun Watson, and if they get Jimmy G? Um, You know, the Bengals, they lost their backup quarterback to a concussion. I don't know how serious it is, but there seems to be quarterback issues afoot with the other AFC North teams, too.
0: Yeah, but I don't think Jimmy G is going to want to go anywhere where he doesn't play. And I'm not sure there's any place to go where he... I mean, like, Seattle seems obvious, but, you know, it wouldn't shock me if they figure, you know what, we're not going to be that great this year anyway. We're not going to bring in Jimmy G and pay him a jillion bucks for one year. We'll just get by with what we have. Maybe Jimmy G's a guy without a team. Or maybe, maybe, and this is a long shot, maybe Trey Lance sucks and they bring Jimmy G back after two or three weeks. That's something I don't
1: think can be discounted, and I think it's being discounted too quickly because he is a question mark. He's not a known commodity. Garoppolo is. He's there. You're a playoff-worthy team. Do you really want to screw with it? It's kind of like a bigger more souped up version of the mason rudolph conversation
0: tim i think it is idiotic that the san francisco 49ers have a super bowl contender and they're making the quarterback switch now you know jimmy g's got them to a super bowl to a conference championship there is no logical reason to make that switch now there was probably not a logical reason to draft Trey Lance last year
1: what do you think of tom brady just leaving the team for about 10 days
0: well, do we know for sure why? I heard it might be like an issue with one of his parents' health. Or,
1: well, they are saying that this was planned, that this was talked about when he decided to come back, that it was kind of built into the schedule. But his mom hasn't. His mom has been sick, right? Doesn't she have some?
0: I I, I don't know. I, like Tom Brady ain't going to forget how to play football in ten days, and it will not detract from his preparation. I have no problem with it all. You know what it reminds me of? Kind of. I remember back. I'm not sure how many guys this was done with but at Manchester United with their young players they used to like Cristiano Ronaldo and he was like a teenager playing there mm-hmm. they would occasionally give him a 10-day vacation in the middle of the season and I assumed that was so he could nail everything that moves for 10 days and get it out of his system <laughs> what, and now they want him to leave and he won't <laughs> what about
1: what about Lemieux didn't Lemieux sort of like at least with practices have, have a, an agreement like that or an understanding
0: no he, he just didn't practice I, <laughs> He owned the team, so it was a little bit different. No, no, no. This was long before he owned the team. <laughs> well, Timmy, he, owned... he used to sit next to me in the stands at South Point when he didn't practice. We That's... would watch practice. Well, me next to him. It's not like he actively sought out my <laughs> my wit and wisdom. But, uh, but yeah, and, and then I remember when Ziggy Palfey got married in the middle of the right. season and he left for his honeymoon. And for, he didn't did like he come what? back. <laughs> uh, did, he, did he never come back, or was that a different... I, I, might,
1: I might be misremembering that i don't know if he, let me put it this way i don't know if he ever came back and scored he might have came come back and played with the team but I don't know if he ever scored again
0: yeah so so it's not a, totally unprecedented and I think that if any athlete in the history of all sports, deserves benefit of the dot in a situation like this it's Tom Brady.
1: Should he have gotten a little bit more of a, you know investigation or a slap on the wrist from the league? I mean, like, I know you tamper with the player, but if the player is tampering, well, not tampering back, but if the player is talking back, <laughs> reciprocating. Oh, no, no.
0: With Miami, you mean? Yeah, yeah. No, no, and here's why. Uh, they, they said Miami was guilty of tampering. They punished them for tanking.
1: You're saying that they punished them for tanking by way of punishing them for tampering so as to not bring any ill light towards the outcome of the games, right?
0: They didn't have to they didn't have to say out loud mm-hmm. that they dumped games, correct. I also like the
1: point you made about Bill Russell and his number 6.
0: Yeah, they didn't really retire it. <laughs> I mean if guys if guys can keep wearing it, they didn't really retire it. Same with with Jackie Robinson, everybody says, well, Mariano Rivera was a you know, Hall of Fame closer and Mo Vaughn, who wore it as well for a while, was a big home run hitter. Yeah, and there was a journeyman catcher from the Orioles who wore it for several more years, too. You gotta tell these guys the numbers retired, you can't wear it. If they get mad, well, too bad because they're not Bill Russell. But but obviously LeBron James made a call.
1: Maybe he doesn't want to remarket another jersey. Maybe that waters down the marketing in his eyes.
0: Maybe now he can either retire it voluntarily. You know, cease wearing it and it'll be all about him. Or you can keep wearing it as a tribute to Mr. Russell, in which case it's all about LeBron, too.
1: All right, Mark, what'd you think of the stadium tour at PNC Park?
0: I thought Poison was excellent. I thought overall they were the best group, but they were handicapped by playing in daylight. Uh, I thought Def Leppard was meh. I thought they were very average. I
1: thought they were sleepy. I thought it was a slow, sleepy set until the last three songs, which were very good
0: you know what else they do too they try to work in like deep cuts and and more recent songs like that kick song yeah there's you know, two song songs there.
1: from the new album
0: right when like put it this way tim whenever event whenever a heritage group said here's something from a new album that's my bathroom break well
1: it's funny you say that because my girlfriend was sitting next to me and as soon as they said new songs, she goes look they're all running like ants and they were to the porta potties underneath the clemente wall
0: well, Joan Jett was exceptional, but she was too She too was hindered by daylight. I thought Motley, I thought Vince Neal started out awful the first two songs, but then I thought he kind of got it in gear, and he wasn't great, but I thought I thought they were the best act of the night overall.
1: Yeah, I think my standard of expectation for what to look for from Motley shrank so much based on what I had seen online and like the clips that the guys in DVU were playing. I was like, oh boy, this is... I'm going to actively have to pretend that Vince Neil isn't singing and it wasn't oh, yeah, quite but like, that like, bad. I'll give
0: an example, Tim. When Randy plays those clips, he wants Vince Neil to suck. So, cause he doesn't like Motley Crue. That's how he's presenting it. I'm just being honest, you know? So, uh, I, I thought, I, and, and here's one thing Motley does. For one thing, their presentation with the screens and some of the videos was tremendous. And, and one thing Def Leppard does that is kind of cool, but kind of weak too, Tim, like, doing some of their songs like during uh hysteria you know they play they and during photograph they put all the videos and all the old photographs up of them from when they were kids yeah i thought that kind of actually worked against him a little bit <laughs> all it does is make them seem really old right exactly to, that's the first not, thing not, i thought not, of to me to me as a lifelong def leppard fan i like the nostalgia aspect i like seeing steve clark up there and you know, and the and, you know when they were just a bunch of kids from Sheffield, and 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 uh, and even Pete Willis, the guitar player who got uh, the Spanish Archer right before Pyromania hit. You know what the Spanish Archer is, don't you, Tim? I do not. No, it's the elbow. That's an old Joe Elliott catchphrase, the Spanish Archer. Uh, but uh, but yeah, so but but it works against them more than it helps them. Whereas Motley, everything is louder than hell. You know, explosions, great video. All kinds of crazy stuff, and Tim. They played their 13 best songs. Yeah, they really did. There wasn't the a song
1: that... that I thought, "Boy, I wish I had
0: heard blank." Uh, the only, the only two that I could have put in there, but not, not to replace anything, but as additional songs, would be "Too Young to Fall in Love" and "Red Hot." Okay, yeah, that's... But that, that that's it, and I'm nitpicking. I have no complaint about the set list.
1: See, I thought that um, for Poison, for instance, I thought CeCe's solo was too long. They didn't have to do a Ricky Rocket drum solo, and they could have squeezed in, you know, Something to Believe In or Stand or something else out of Look With The Cats. Oh, that's in. right. They didn't play Something to Believe In. That's right. Well, maybe he didn't want to give the wrong impression
0: at PNC Park. <laughs> or... One thing, something to believe in sounds a lot like Every Rose Has It's Thorn, too. Yeah, they have to play that, I
1: guess. That might be my least favorite Poison song. I can't stand that song.
0: Well, that's because we've all heard it too much. Yeah. One one thing about Poison, though, and this is where they won the day more than any of the groups. Okay, any of the groups. They still look like Poison. They still absolutely, 100%, look the part. Mark Madden, he and I will
1: recap the Greta Van Fleet Metallica concert, or at least Mark Greta Van Fleet. Right? Or are you sticking around for? You going to be suckered into sticking around for a little bit of Metallica?
0: Probably not. No. Okay. Uh, I mean, maybe for a little bit. I don't know. I mean, uh, no, probably not. I mean, the, the more the more I say it out loud. Uh, by the way, you know what I talked about on the show on uh, Friday? Uh, one thing that really makes you adopt certain things, at least momentarily. I was talking about Poison's first album cover.
1: Was that the one, uh, remind me, was that the one where there was four of them, the four pictures of them all glammed up, or was that... Where they
0: looked like really hot chicks.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like the girls who were dancing on stage with Motley.
0: <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that, but they looked like really hot chicks.
1: That one uh, did stand out to me. What was the open up and say ah was the red and black one, and then it was just kind of like a script one for. Yeah, the
0: first blood. one was was look what the cat dragged in. Look what the cat dragged in, right? Which, exactly. by the way, is is an all time concert opener. It was a great opener. It really yeah, was. I mean, not just for them. That's like if you pick if you pick songs to open with, that is right there. Uh, I, I thought, although you can't, Motley came out with five straight killers, and that is one like you know. Wild side like, was a great what? opener. Wild side in the shot at the devil is just like you can't beat it.
1: Mark and I will be on for Madden Ben's Unfiltered 9 30 on Monday. Listen to him 3 until 6 Monday at uh, 105 9 the X and throughout the course of the week. I'll be back at training camp in Latrobe. You can get our daily podcasts from St. Vincent College as well. This is the Madden Monday podcast. It's brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go online to betrivers.com.